here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When we take our suffering, when we take our pain, when we take our struggles, and we all give it to Jesus, and we say, Lord, somehow in the midst of this, be thou glorified, something happens. God is honored, and people are drawn closer to Him. Glory means the beauty, the splendor. And the beauty and the splendor of God is displayed while in the midst of suffering we humble ourselves and say, God, here, I offer this as an act of worship to you. Pastor Ed brings up an interesting point in today's message. When we bring our difficulties and our sorrows to God, other people tend to notice. Other people who are watching us go through whatever it is we are going through and are also watching us to see how we respond to what life has handed us. When we look to God for our strength and rely on Him to pull us through, He not only gets the glory, but it could lead others to do the same thing. We can have a testimony even when we are at our lowest lows. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Unity. What is the foundations of our unity? It's the apostolic message, the apostolic preaching. But there is something in here also. It's a... It's a supernatural unity. Not just uh, an apostolic, but a supernatural unity. The idea is that something happens when people believe. When people believe, a miracle takes place on the inside. In John chapter 1, 12 to 13, it says if we are born of God... We become his children. When a person receives that dynamic, life-changing message, the power of the gospel hits them. They become children of God. He says, yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. When a person comes and meets with Jesus Christ, something happens on the inside. Immediately, they are connected with the past and they are connected with the present and they are tied to the future. They're connected to the past. You read some of the diaries of the great men and women of God. And as a believer, you identify with it. You could feel it. You could understand. They knew the Lord. You meet today someone on the subway in New York City and you just have a quick conversation with them and there's a witness inside your spirit that they know God, that they're born again. What's that? That's something that God creates, a unity that the Holy Spirit brings about. There's this unity that God creates because we become his children. That message has incredible transforming power. There's the same message from one generation to another generation to another generation to another generation. We want to pray for Mike and Rosemary as they go out and their heart's desire is that their sons, Chris and Mark, would know Christ. So today, pray for them. You know, at Mike's funeral, 40 people came and they, and they made a confession of faith and we pray that they'll grow in that decision and follow Christ. But it's the simple message. Whether a PhD at Harvard University preaches that message or whether someone who came from Skid Road and was saved and preaches in the Bowery Mission 
It's the same message. It's the life-giving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. See, that's the message the church has to preach. Whether we are a storefront church or a mega church, whether we believe in some type of high church or whether we're low church, whether we're contemporary worship or whether we're conservative worship, what is important is that the message of Jesus Christ, the message message that the apostolic church had and that's been passed down continues to be preached and proclaimed and held forth as a church. Hallelujah. Transformation takes place when we hear that message. Now that's the foundations of our unity. It's inherent in the message. It unites us spiritually. But we have to work at preserving the unity. It's a gift from God. We can't create it. We can't manufacture it. It's a a gift from God. It's an answer to Jesus' prayer. In verse 5 of Romans 15, we have the idea preserving of the unity. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. Unity is something that God gives, but we must guard. It's something that God does, but we must preserve. Our carnal nature so works against unity. I mean, look at our world. Someone said every time people try to create unity, they create death. Alexander the Great wanted to unite the world. The Roman Empire wanted to unite the world. There's this desire in the hearts of men to bring unity. You know, I hear so much about a global economy today. I'm not against it necessarily, but real unity comes from God. I do think it is a sign that the coming of the Lord may be very close. And so I rejoice in that. But how do we sustain? How do we preserve? How do we guard this unity? The answer is right in the biblical text. Verse 21. May they also be in us the experience of intimacy with Jesus Christ. The Trinity is deep and complex. We can't comprehend that infinite God in our finite minds. But Jesus says that they may be in us. Hmm. A relationship with God that is so intimate that we abide in him. Get out on your own. Walk out in the flesh and you will sow discord wherever you go. Get into Christ. Walk in the spirit And you'll sow unity wherever you go. We must look for the common ground, not the battleground. We must be willing to sow unity rather than conflict. Listen to the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus in John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as 
I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. To abide in Jesus is to obey him and to obey the Father. To walk in the commandments of love. That's not easy. Whenever you endeavor to abide in Christ, you'll have the character of Christ. When you abide in him, you'll reflect him. You'll emanate him. And Jesus is a unifier. He prayed for the unity of the church. He asked the Father. That great passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2, where it says, He humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of a man. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. See, real unity comes when we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We're abiding in him. Uh, That means I'm willing to do it God's way, not necessarily singing, I did it my way. That means when we are walking with Christ, we're going to go the extra mile. We're going to reach out. We're going to build bridges, not burn bridges. And sometimes it's easier to burn bridges because we've been hurt. But we're to be controlled by what motivated and controlled Jesus. Now, notice, experience intimacy with Christ. If you're close and walking with Jesus, you can't be in the throne room of God, in the presence of God, and come out of that and stab your brother in the back. You can't do it. You can't rip the unity of the church without ripping the heart of God. And if you're close to his heart, you won't even consider it. Intimacy with Jesus preserves the unity of the church, but something else, the experience of God's glory in Christ is right there in verse 22. It jumps out of the text. Jesus says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus began his ministry in glory and ended his ministry in glory. In John chapter 1, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son. Jesus prayed as he looked at the cross, Father, glorify your name. See, he saw suffering as a way of glory. See, when we take our suffering, when we take our pain, when we take our struggles and we all give it to Jesus and we say, Lord, somehow in the midst of this, be thou glorified, something happens. God is honored and people are drawn closer to him. Glory means the beauty, the splendor. And the beauty and the splendor of God is displayed while in the midst of suffering we humble ourselves and say, God, here, I offer this as an act of worship to you. Glory is seen in the miraculous and the supernatural. Jesus speaking to Martha said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he is dead, yet will he live. Do you believe this? And then when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus said, didn't I tell you you would see the glory of God? We need this 
theology of suffering and we need this theology of the miraculous because in both of those, God is honored and glorified. The difficulty sometimes is we want to lean to one theology or the other without living in the midst of the tension of it because we don't always understand how God performs miracles. We don't always understand why God does what he does, but he's bigger than us and I don't have to understand him. I can serve a God and allow a God to have mystery because I recognize I am limited in what I understand. I recognize that God can receive great glory through suffering. He can receive great glory through the miraculous, but my main passion my burden is that he be glorified and when he is glorified people see the beauty of Jesus they see the splendor of Christ and they are drawn to him and there's unity as a result I've given them my glory hallelujah in 2nd Corinthians 3 18 it says and all of us with unveiled faces like mirrors reflecting the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image that we reflect in brighter and brighter glory. This is the working of the Lord's Spirit. So how do you sustain it? How do you preserve it? Abide. 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 Abiding in the vine. Abiding in Jesus. How do you sustain it, preserve it? You live a life that says, God, I want to glorify you. I want to magnify you. I want to exalt you. It's not a unity that men come up with. Now, don't misunderstand me. World Council of Churches, I was looking at their website the other day and reading something that they had to say, oh, we're looking to unite the churches, etc. All right. But it's only united around the message, the truth of Jesus. If you take the Apostles' Creed and you take the Nicene Creed, which contain the very essence of our theology, and you throw it out, there's no unity. There's no Christianity. The unity is on that apostolic message. That unity is when something supernaturally happens in a man's heart, a woman's heart. They may be in the darkest part of Africa. They may be in Asia. They may be in the Congo. They may be in the United States. But suddenly they're born again. There is a supernatural connection. They may have lived in the Middle Ages or they may have lived in the 21st century. But there's a connection because we're part of the family of God. We've been born again. Now, what's the impact of that unity Why did Jesus consider it so important? Why was he so passionate? Why was it foremost in his prayer? Look what he prayed for you and me. Look what he prayed for the church. He prayed for our unity. While we're on earth's journey, while we're going through this world, what was the one thing that he prayed for was our unity. He knew our propensity to divide. He knew our propensity to conflict. He knew our propensity to put self on the throne rather than the Savior on the throne. And he pleaded with the Father, Oh, Father, may they be one. And he is allowing us to listen into his prayer. What's the impact? Verse 21, it's powerful. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world, so that the world, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The most powerful, most effective form 
of evangelism is unity. When the world out there looks at the church in here and they see a unity that that cannot be explained except by the supernatural, they're drawn to a conclusion that the Father sent the Son, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. One of the greatest forms of unity is when we surrender our own will. I think sometimes God weeps in heaven and said, oh, that I had some mature believers that would be unifiers that I could use in this circumstance, in this situation, whether it's in our home or our extended families, whether it's in the church. We need to be men and women who will unify, who are willing to lay down our own particular agenda and say, God, you know, you see, you hear. It's a revelation of God's redemptive plan. People will see that God the Father sent God the Son because we're displaying the mind, the heart, the will, the attitude of God. When they see that, it's a revelation of God's redemptive plan. It's a revelation of God's redemptive love. There's an incredible passage in verse 23 when you see that people will know that God the Father loved us like he loved Jesus. How do they know that? How does somebody walk into the church and say, boy, God really loves John. Boy, God must really love Brian. God must really love Ed. How, how do they know that? How the body responds to them. How the body cares for them. How the congregation gathers around them when there's a need, there's a concern. They say, boy, they're real special. We begin to manifest God's love towards one another. And people recognize that this place has the favor and the blessing of God. Listen, the reality is, if you are a Christian and you attend this church, any church, you're going to be hurt. Because you happen to go to church with people who are sinners. And they're in the process of becoming. There's no exclusions. There's no exceptions. We all hurt one another and get hurt and offend. It's just part of the journey. But when the love of God is working inside of us and we feel hurt, we still build that bridge. We go to that throne and we say, oh God, help me with my pain. And then God helps us to minister to people. Now, some people do it this way. They pray. Oh, God, you know what he did to me. You know what she did to me. Father, you see it. I've been serving you. Give them justice. <laughs> and then they go the next couple of days and they're praying. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Give me mercy. Give me grace. You ask for justice for your brother. You're asking for grace for yourself. You asked that God would just give it to him and here you're asking for mercy? No, no, no. 
when we get the heart of God, when we become unifiers, when we are a witness to the world, we mirror Christ's heart to others and in our relationships. And so people see the heart of God and feel the presence of God and recognize the love of God. The greatest form of evangelism for us is not going to be more eloquent speaking or greater choirs or greater music program or uh, better PowerPoints or none of those things. No, 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 no. It's going to be unity. It's going to be where we lay down our lives for one another, where we pick up each other, where we're willing to simply say, you know, Lord, that person failed me. They hurt me. You know what? One of the hardest things to do is when you've been hurt to love, to unconditionally love. But the last passage of Scripture, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. How has God loved you? How has he loved you? So, you should. So, consider No, what does it say? So you, what? What's that word there? It's hard to say, I know. Must, must love one another. By this, all men will know, you're my disciples, if you love one another. I know that I cannot do it in my own strength. I know you can't. We need the power of God to be unifiers. Let me ask you, What brought you into the kingdom? I know for many of us, it was a love that we felt in the church. The love that people showed us. I remember a good friend of mine became a deacon. Vernon was involved in the Black Panthers back in the 60s and maybe early 70s. I I forget how long. But he had been hurt. His family had been hurt by, uh, by whites by Anglos and he got involved in the Black Panthers but then he got marvelously saved he knew God was dealing with him he said I want you to attend it was almost an all Anglo church predominantly Anglo and uh, he got elected to the board he served on the board he was one of my deacons and I remember learning a lot from Vernon because I hadn't been on the journey he was. But I remember one day our youth group was going to do a special fundraiser. And boy, the youth pastor got in trouble on this one. He was going to do, and he announced it in slave days. And Vernon on the board said, what do you mean slave days? And oh boy, we we learned something. We learned a sensitivity. And we had a lot of discussions like that. Was it easy to have unity? Man, I, I don't like all the things that my kids like in terms of taste of music and things like that, but my kids, and when we're in the car, sometimes they get their way, and they're listening to their style of music, Christian music, you know. And uh, the ability for all of us to promote the unity of the body of Christ, by this, the world will know that Jesus really is Messiah that he really came to die for man's sins and that God loves us by this.
That's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's look at the Gospel of John. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media plan. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or a friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Gospel of John right here on Voice of Faith.